Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Patrick. Andy. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's it's great to see you again. It feels like it's been, you know, such a long time since we've had just a regular um, conversation <laughs> over our little video cameras. So I, yeah. I appreciate you being willing to meet with me today been a week and it's my pleasure meeting with you today andy i feel like you're going to interview me for a job of some kind <laughs> yeah. the way you the way you set that up oh good yeah well it's it's kind of that's the way this is always going like every time we get on and we do a recording it's really me seeing if i still want you as a co-host <laughs> i might fire you at any time patrick <laughs> so it's always okay. an well it's nice to know that <laughs> I like it because it keeps me on my keeps me on my toes. Every yeah. one of these episodes, I'm like, "Oh man, I'm gonna lose my gig." <laughs> you have no job security here. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's it's how I it's how I it's how I run teams. It's how I, you know, uh-huh. I just do it with fear. You know, it's good. It's good. Yeah, keeps the fire in the belly. You know. Yeah, it does. That's how. Yeah. That's what I learned from you. When you were my manager, as as all designers that you know you have managed know very well, it's all just done by fear. <laughs> yeah. It's all fear-based. That's how you keep the lights on. One hundred percent. Well, you got to play every game like it's your last, Andy. Yeah, that's the philosophy, right? Exactly. Yeah. If I'm if I'm drawing a rectangle, this better be a real good rectangle. A really good one. Better be perfect. (laughs) Patrick's gonna kick me to the curb. (laughs) Yeah, I was a real tyrant, Andy. You were. And <laughs> does getting does getting walked on does getting walked on by your designers as a design lead on your company does that mean you're a tyrant? <laughs> Probably. Uh, <laughs> anyway, know. man, I don't want people to think I'm a jerk now. You know what, Patrick? They're all going to think I'm a jerk because your little joke there. <laughs> my my joke? What do you mean, my joke? <laughs> That wasn't a joke. <laughs> no. Um, Great. A- <laughs> actually, uh, Patrick, in, in all seriousness, um, I actually, this time around, I wanted to bring a topic. This is a serious topic. Yes. I brought a topic Ooh. that I want, and I wasn't sure I was going to do it this time, so I'm actually, this, this conversation brings it up. We just have to do it now. Andy's um, topic my topic um, i love andy's topic <laughs> so what i want to know patrick is i'm a designer and uh, is that funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> the fact that i'm a designer is it's, it's hilarious yeah, yeah, here, yeah. Right? all right it's it's just funny no sorry it just came off as funny because you said I'm a designer, and I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why, I mean, we're on a podcast oh, okay. called Design Much. <laughs> just Dude, I'm, just, Sorry. I'm setting the tone, man. Goodness. <laughs> trying to tell a story, Patrick. Okay, okay. I'm going to I'm gonna be serious now, Eddie. <laughs> so um, this is kind of a selfish topic, but I think it'll help a lot of other designers. So, Patrick, I'm a designer. We'll start that over again. And... I want to know what I want to do in the future because there's a different career track, right? 
I could either go, you know, and become like a lead designer or like a principal designer where I'm kind of going off on my own. Um, or I could, you know, become the manager. Uh, Patrick, you are a director. You've been a manager for a very long time. What I want to know is what does it take to be a design manager? And is it fun? <laughs> is it fun? Yeah. I, I want to have fun doing my job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So two, two things there, right? What was the first one? What does it take to be a design manager? Yes. And then what? Um, well, the first one, I have no idea. I'm still figuring that one out. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, the second one. Is it fun? Yes, it's fun. It's really stressful, but yes, it's fun. Um, I'll go back to I'll go back to I'll answer that question with this. I'll say, um, if you really like designing, there's a, you get a reward in designing, right? Like when you're designing a product, what what kind of reward do you get out of designing, Andy? Like what is your how, how rewarding is your job designing? So where does a, it come from? Yeah, that's that's a great point. So like if if you're a good designer and you are designing for the user as like that's what your job is, I think your reward yeah. is let's let's say you take the time to understand what those users issues are, what their problems are, and what their workflows are, what they need, you know, the the software that you're working on to solve for them, right? And then you are able to design a solution for those users and you're able to see like first off test with those users and see like this solution may or may not help with them right and you're able to learn and iterate and make it better and i think like the the biggest rewarding part is when you know you hear that feedback um this is helping you know us do this way better than it did before and you know you've mm-hmm. maybe in a very small way you've improved um the way so, like someone's life you know you've been able to improve the way they do their work so for me, like the most rewarding thing about being a designer is um, seeing like the difference you've made in terms of understanding what their problem is, having empathy for them, and then, you know, doing your best, including them to, to solve that problem and then getting that feedback on, is it working or isn't, isn't it working? Right. So I think that's mm-hmm. definitely the most rewarding part. Okay. So take all of that stuff, right. But the outcome now is a team of people. It's a group of people. So now your job as a design manager is to be is to design a team that then will go out and do that, right? So you're instead of designing instead of designing uh, an interface, mm-hmm. right, in pixels, now you're designing a team of people that will accomplish that job. So now the reward shifts, right? Like it's the same design principles essentially, like we're going to try different stuff out. I'm going to talk to my designers, I'm going to talk to users. We're going to figure out who needs to be in place. Like you're using people as the tools to design something rather than, you know, software as the tools to design something. Okay. Um, so then you move into management and now the reward becomes not necessarily the product. I think that's part of it because I, I'm awfully proud of what we've done at Canopy, you know, over the last four years that I've been there. Um, but what I'm more proud or what's, what's more rewarding to me is like, um, you know, seeing you become successful as a designer seeing um, all the designers that I've worked with and hired in the past become successful. Um, but the problem with the problem with it is, and this, and I've discovered this, you know, through experience at Canopy, right. Being a manager is 
you ride all those highs and lows. So the rewarding part is when, you know, the rewarding thing, all the warm fuzzies come from like, hey, this person is like growing so fast. And like they started out as a junior designer. Or they came on as a senior designer and had all these bad habits and we corrected those bad habits or whatever. So there's all of that stuff. And you're like, and we're producing together. You know, as a team, we're producing this really cool product that people enjoy. But then there's also the business end of it as being a manager as like you're going to have people that don't you know, that don't perform very well. So you've got to work, you got to figure out how to handle the, handle that. Right. Hmm. All the radical candor and like all that other, all the, all that other stuff. Right. So you got to figure out how you manage people. Um, you know, you're going to have a layoff at some point, probably likely. So how do you handle that? You know, how do you handle, um, you know, like semi being responsible for making somebody's life bad. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's also that, like you're, you're, you know, somebody, somebody expressed it to me once that like good managers, um, you know, good managers, their, their employees or the people that they work with go home and they don't complain about them to their wives and their lives are happier, right? Mm-hmm. Bad managers ruin your life because if you're a bad manager, you go home and you complain, you complain to your wife and you complain to your husband and you complain to your kids and kick your dog and you know you just like it ruins your life that way <laughs> so like there's the impact that you make as a manager is on people and not on the product anymore even though it's it's still on the product but yeah. the the tools that you're using not to call humans tools but like <laughs> the tools in your toolbox are the humans that you put on your team it's your team right like um you know so they need to be treated as people and not as tools yeah but like, I think that's the fun, rewarding part is being able to get really get to know people, really understand how people function and how they work, um, you know, make some really good um, lifelong, you know, connections with other people. And then, you know, as I've seen, you know, as, as people have quit Canopy or quit our team and moved on to other teams and they get to those other teams and watching them excel Uh, on those other teams is like that's where it's like you feel as a manager you feel really rewarded and like like a parent where you're like oh my gosh like i trained them really good and now they're out in the world and they're doing great and they're fantastic and that's like super rewarding Mm -hmm. and i would say that's the funnest part um the the other really fun part is like you mentioned is it fun i've probably had more fun being a manager than when i was a designer i think on some level Hmm. um because i got to you know hire a lot of people. Um, I got to, uh, you know, work with a lot of people and enjoy getting to know everyone. Um, versus, you know, you just come into your, you just come into work at your desk and you work at your desk and then you go home, you know, and you have some fun during the day with the other coworkers. But as a manager, you get to work with people all the time. And I found that to be really enjoyable. Sorry, I need a drink. Jeez. You should talk, Andy. So, yeah, while you're taking your drink, Patrick, um, another question for you. So kind of going along those same, the same kind of metaphors that you're, not exactly metaphors, but examples that you're using as a designer, you know, your, your rewards are you get to, you know, change the lives of the, of the users you're serving, right? As a manager, you get to change the lives of the, um, the employees that you're serving. It sounds like you might be like designing like a culture that allows designers to 
be more effective and happy at the company. Is that kind of, am I hearing that right? Is that kind of what you, because it sounds like as a manager, you're still kind of designing, like you, you are solving problems. Yeah. That's the way I approached it was it's, this is my chance to design a team yeah. and to design a culture that promotes design and promotes certain things, right? Like mm-hmm. Certain principles that I believe in. That was your chance to be like, like as a manager, it's your chance to do that. It's your chance to cultivate um, what you've wanted to cultivate, right? Because we've all worked at places where it's like, I wish that, you know, my manager was like this, or I wish that we had a design culture that was more fun, or I wish that we had whatever. This is your chance to take all of those principles that you hold in your design or in your work or your work ethic or whatever and create an environment for other people to get in that space with you right and 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 work with you as a team um the end result is that you're trying to build a product of some kind or you're you know you're working on projects or you're working for agents or or agencies or you know you're doing something right and Mm -hmm. that's the end product but um it's your chance to design a culture and i think a lot of people don't look at it that way they look at it as oh i got to manage the people right and i got to make sure they're getting their work done that's only like one tiny aspect of that the bigger, broader aspect is like, what kind of culture do you want to create at the company for them to work in, right? Yeah. And there's a balance because like in, in our industry too, we work with engineers and we work with PMs. Those people have their own cultures too. And so when you're working together, um, that creates an interesting problem to solve is like, okay, well, yeah, how do we, you know, designers kind of think this way and they kind of do these things and they behave this way and they feel this way about things. <clears throat> how do we take that culture that we know to be good and maybe even help other, you know, other divisions of our companies create a better culture for them, right? But as a manager, you're not like as a manager, director type, design manager, design director, you kind of have those three responsibilities. You have the first one is the product, right? You're still at the end of the day, the one that's responsible for a successful product, um, you know, for good user experience, for good design. Um, the second thing is, is you're responsible for managing the team that's building that right and making sure that they're, you know, happy and healthy and, you know, well fed financially and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then the third part is what you bring up is the, is the, you're responsible for creating the culture that they, that they work and live in. So yeah, if you, if you approach it as a designer, I think it's a really cool opportunity to be like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm on this level and I'm designing interfaces i'm going to take all those same principles but then apply that to designing a culture and a system and a process interesting so along that vein then as as a designer like i feel like i'm rated like in terms of my performance like how how well i do based on you know all these different principles like how well am i at communicating how well am I at being able to design something, you know, delightful and pleasing to users? And how am I, how well am I able to like solve those problems as a designer? Right. So my question mm-hmm. to you is like, how, how are managers rated? Um, what, what do the people that you um, have to report to um, look at you and say, like, he is a good manager or he is, he or she is not a good manager. Yeah, that's, that's tricky. Cause I think it, it depends on your manager at that point, you know, your Mm -hmm. boss. Um, So, you know, being a manager and having, you know, two or three different bosses over the last couple of years, their, their, 
their requirements or their, you know, their, their checklist was different, I think. Okay. A, slightly different. I think, I think the one core thing though is performance and they look at you and go, okay, well, is your team performing the way it's supposed to be? Is it, are they high performers? Are they getting their work done? Are they holding up other people? You know, like, are they holding up engineering? Are they holding up product management? When they look at performance, I think that's probably the first key thing that they look at because you're responsible for that performance. So if they're not doing it, then what what can you do to change that culture? You know, what levers can you pull to make them perform better, right? I think that's the first one. I think the second one is going to be, like, culturally, um, ha- have you built a culture? Because hmm. a culture will happen whether you build it or not. Yes. and. If you want a good one, I think you have to promote it. And I think you have to, I think you have to build it. I think there's certain things in a culture, like you get a group of designers together. There are certain things that just spontaneously happen. And some of those are good and some of those are bad. So it's a matter of, okay, well, what, what is promoting, you know, a good thing? Are we, are we, is it, what's happening? Is it, is it building a, a, a tighter knit relationship? You know, a team membership, you know, are we, are we following the principles that you've you've outlined, or do I need to intervene and create something artificial to make that culture happen? Um, so I think those are probably the the main ones. the The first one, the first one for sure, is performance. That's the that's the first one that you know my boss is looking at me for is like how are all your designers performing? Because um, we're paying all of them, you know, money to do their jobs. Are they getting their jobs done? So that's like the first thing. Um, but then, yeah, I think the second thing goes into like the cultural aspect. I've never really had anybody question me so far at Canopy about design quality or quality of the designers. Like, are they are they are they good enough to design here? Type of a thing. Um, that's always like I've always just handled that and never really been questioned too much about that. Hmm. Um, and that's probably just a byproduct that our product works well and functions well and. You know, that kind of thing. But I think that would probably be another metric or something that that your boss, you know, VP of product or, you know, VP of user experience or whatever would probably look at for you, right? And be like, hey, performing well, your culture is good, people are happy, and the design quality is, is high bar, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever standard it is. Okay, awesome. Um, so another question for you, Patrick. Um, what about those who are um, more on the introverted side of things? Um, do you feel like you need to be an extrovert um, sort of person to be a manager? Like, um, yeah, yeah, I guess that's my question. Do you need to be an extrovert to be a manager or can you be an introverted manager with your experience? Um, with my experience, I, I think it's I think either way is probably fine. I think you're going to, I think if you're a very introverted person, you might struggle. Um, You know, you might struggle with the communication aspect of being a manager. Because I think being a manager means that you have to, you have to communicate a lot and you have to be pretty open with what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can't hold things back, even if you're not doing it, even if it's accidentally, right? Like, I've learned times where it's like, I didn't think that was anybody's business. You know, it's like, oh, that's just my team's business. But then it kind of came back to bite me where I was like, oh, I should probably let people know that this thing is happening on my team or whatever. And so I think, I think um, if you're a very introverted person, it it might be a little bit of a struggle, 
but not necessarily working with your team. I don't think that's where you would struggle. I think you would struggle with working with all the other departments in the company. Um, if you're, if you're a really introverted person, I think I'm kind of right in the middle maybe. And I've learned to be more extroverted doing this job than I was before. Um, but I was never, I, I was never like a really introverted person. So it's hard for me to judge based on my experience, but I think, I think we're, I think we're somebody who's, you know, a little bit introverted, a little bit shy, that kind of thing. We'll have a struggle with working with other departments, you know, working with CS or working with, you know, engineering and PM for sure, product management for sure. Um, Cause you're going to have to have some, you know, there's going to be some harder conversations you're going to have to have there with other departments and with the business side. Um, and depending on the size of your company, you know, with the CEO and, you know, upper leadership. And so, you know, if you're not comfortable having those conversations, then you're going to have to learn to be comfortable having those conversations for sure. <laughs> awesome. So, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it would, I don't think it prevents anybody from doing it. Okay. Yeah. And you said you kind of learned to be more of an extrovert. Like how did that come about? Was it just a natural thing for you or did you like actually have to practice or was there anything that you would recommend that somebody who is more introverted but wants to get into it like that, that they can do to to learn how to be um, yeah more extroverted as they need to to do their job? Yeah, I think um, the thing I learned that was easy for me, well, not necessarily easy, but it didn't take practice, was just being more willing to open up about um, myself with, mm. you know, other leaders, other leaders, you know, especially my boss, like VP of product or, you know, that kind of person. Like it was, I had to be more open about what I was thinking and what I was doing and why I was doing it um, and be more proactive that way and let them know, Hey, this is, I'm doing this because of this, right. Um, versus, you know, the whole, like, I used to kind of like hold that kind of in and be like, I was hired to do this job. They got to just trust me, you mm-hmm. know, but when you get into the position, you quickly learn that it's not, it's not the intent is not to micromanage, but to communicate. And the intent is to make sure that, you know, because your boss as a manager, your boss, your VP or whatever wants to make sure that you're successful and that your team is successful. And so they need to know what, what's happening. They need to know what's going on to do that. Um, that was hard for me at the beginning was just being like more open about choices I was making and things that we were doing and talking about the design team and even talking about, you know, my personal stuff, right? Like letting them know that, you know, I have a personal life and like all that stuff. Um, because that was that was critical for them to understand like what kind of culture we're trying to create and like all of those like all of those aspects. Um, <clears throat> I think the other part that has required more practice, and I I still think that I'm learning that I'm not good at, um, and probably will always continually practice, is just communication. You know, being just having better communication. You know, communicating. Um, just everything in a better way, right? Like everything from vocally, how I speak to people, you know, how you joke around with people, how you, um, how, like when you're in a meeting or something, the facial expressions you use, you know, like how, like all of these, all of these nonverbal communication cues that you use, um, how those actually, how, how that actually impacts your influence on other people. And not necessarily that you're trying to get influence on other people, but like 
if you, you know, if you go into meetings and you're always, you're just kind of always like closed off and, you know, you're just kind of always, you know, maybe you're really listening and you're taking in everything, but you're kind of like, you, you kind of clam up a little bit from like a nonverbal standpoint, hmm. then others will perceive you as, as being unwelcome, right? And hard to work with. And so even though you're not, and I think that was something that as kind of a little bit, the introverted side in me had to, had to learn was there's a fine line between like being yourself and having a personality to like, what am I actually communicating to other departments who don't really understand who I am? Right. Yeah. Um, it's easier. Like I said, I think that's a lot easier on the design team because designers are just like you, they relate to you in a certain way and they have certain behaviors, but like a sales team doesn't, they behave completely different. You know, they have different personalities, everything else. And so if you're not, you know, if you, if you don't learn how to communicate well, um, then I think that that can really, that can really hurt you in the long run because people will get a different perception of who you are. And, and maybe that's not the case. Right. And I think being like coming from a place where I was a little introverted that way with communication, that was a big thing for me to learn. Um, it was also, it's also still been a big thing for me to practice. Like I want to get better at speaking in front of a group of people. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to feel like I'm more eloquent, you know, and like I, you know, like some people get up and they, you know, we've, we've worked with people that can speak really well in front of a lot of people. Um, and as a manager director, you're going to have to do that sometimes. And so you don't want to get up there and be the meek, you know, like, you know, you, you don't want to get up there and just be like, Oh, this guy's like, I don't know. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Like you want to be as a leader of a team, you want to be assertive enough and you want to have confidence enough in your team that it comes out. Right. Yeah. And I think that that can be hard as an introvert. It can be hard as an extrovert because I think you go, you go, you go too over the top sometimes. Right. And that, and people don't like that. But I think as an introvert, a lot of times it's like you're 100% confident in the skills of your team. And then you get up and you're like, yeah, our team did, you know, like, um, you know, like I was just like, we do a good job, you know, it's like nobody else around you is going to be like, what was he talking about? Like mm -hmm. he obviously doesn't believe in his team. So I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of that in the communication part that I've had to learn and practice over time that I'm still working on. Right. Yeah. Consciously. Awesome. I really love that. I really love like how you are thinking about all the ways that you're communicating, not just the words, you know, that you're babbling out of your mouth, but also like, <laughs> but also like the, yeah, the way that people are perceiving you. Um, yeah. The facial expressions and the body language. I think that's really awesome. Very awesome. So um, final question I have for you, Patrick, um, we've been, we've been living in this, this COVID world, you know, for sure, for like six, seven months or whatever, you know, where we all have been, we all have been working from home. Um, how has that affected your ability to manage a team, not, you know, being able to work with them in the office, like always just calling them up, you know, over a, a video call, how has that been for you? And, um, have, have you been able to deal with any issues that you've had with that? Yeah. I mean, I've struggled with it a lot, right? Like it's, it hasn't been something that I think, I think my management style, if, if that's the word for it is being around people right like i enjoy being around my designers 
and I enjoy talking to them about everything, not just design and not just their work, but about their lives and, you know, everything, right? And so that was the hardest part for me is I felt completely disconnected from my team. Um, and I still don't feel super connected with them yet. We've tried different things, and I haven't been as proactive at trying different things that we should have, that we should do. It's just a little bit harder now that, like, you're home with your kids and you're now you're mixing your family schedule with your work schedule. And so things are just kind of a little bit jumbled a lot. So it's hard to get an entire team together in a room, you know, like even if it's a virtual room, it's hard to get everybody in and just hang out and have a good time and, you know, get to know each other. Like, I, I don't know. My, my management style was always like the, you know, the Spartan 300, like get together and eat lunch every day, you know, and get to know each other. And like that sort of got stripped away when we went to, you know, all the virtual stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so the first thing that was, the first thing that was critical, we talked about performance. The first thing that came up was like, I don't, I, I really didn't know what people were working on. Like I always struggle with that a little bit when we were in the office um, because I'm, I'm just, I don't want to be like a micromanager. That's just always a fear of mine. Right. So I was probably a little bit bad at it anyway, <laughs> but um, but when we went virtual, it was even worse because I just I didn't I couldn't walk over to their desk and see them, you know, and be like, hey, what are you working on? Are you working today? You know, like I know they're working today. I see them over there doing it, you know. So it was like keeping track of everybody's performance and making sure that the work was getting done was was a bit of a struggle okay. um, initially. And so we've had to implement different. I've had to implement different ways. We started with some daily check ins and things like that. We've tried a bunch of different methods to like figure out how to make sure people are staying on task. Um, but more importantly, staying on task, but, but more importantly to that, like have the tools and have the time to stay on task. Right. Because I think in this, like if you're going to the office, you've already carved out nine to five, right. As work time. So your family and everybody knows nine to five is work time. That's it. Like he's, like he, she, they're out of the office, right? Mm -hmm. They're gone. But but now sort of, you know, working in this work from home world, the struggle has been like you're mixing that together in a big bag. And like, do my designers have enough time? Like, it's not even like I want them to work eight hours a day. It's like, do they even have eight hours a day to get their work done, right? Mm -hmm. Like, even, even if they're trying really hard to get it done, do they even have it? Are we... Cause, we can't carve as, as managers, I can't carve out that eight hours anymore. You know, your time is your time now and you have to carve it out. And so I think, I think that, that kind of control that I had on the team of, of saying like, you're coming to the office nine to five, right? Because that's what we, that's what we did. Um, I controlled their time. Right. And not from, not necessarily from like a, I pay you for that time kind of, you know what I mean? But like, I'm giving you this time. We're granting you this time, you know, to, to work on stuff because you work here. But now it's like, now you have to figure out how to manage it. And I think that's been the hardest part for me is figuring out, um, not even letting go of that, but just like, cause I trust my designers. I, what I, what I really want to make sure though, is that they have the ability, they have the tools, they have the time, they have what they need. They have the support. You know, because they can't just come walk over to my desk and ask me a question. It's a little bit harder. Like, I got to, you know, we have more meetings now because we're all virtual. 
you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, we have more meetings. So then it's like, well, I want to jump on a Slack call or I want to jump on whatever call, you know, to ask you a question. And now I got screen share and, you know, so I think, I think there's a little bit of a hurdle that way. Um, that's been, that's been the main struggle though, is just like making sure people, um, can like have the ability to get their stuff done with everything that's going on in the world. So that's great. Awesome, man. So see, now you want to be a manager. Now I might want to, I don't know if I I have what it takes. (laughs) I'm not sure, (laughs) but, um, that sounds pretty cool. That's very, very awesome. So, um, last question for you, Patrick, I know you've talked about like a lot of like, you know, what, what you find rewarding, you know, as being a manager, um, what I imagine to be the most rewarding. And I want to know if this has ever happened to you. Has have any of your employees ever bought you a mug that says number one boss on it? Um, no, no, nobody not. has. Okay. No. And what I, what I take that as Andy is that none of them really think I am the world's number one boss. That's probably true. Yeah. Cause yeah. <laughs> every manager I've had, <laughs> I always get them that mug if I like them, Patrick. <laughs> Yeah, and I never, I never received that mug from you, Andy. So <laughs> apparently, I've messed up horribly. Yeah, that's okay. I think, I think you have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of space to keep learning. You're still young. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm due, I'm due to this, man. Yeah, <laughs> I've only been like managing a team for like three and a half, four years. That's brand new. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, maybe one day, one day you'll show up. Back when we're all at the office, you know, in the, in the future, yeah. you'll, you'll get some mug. Number one boss. This is world's number one boss. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, see, here's, here's the thing is you could, there can only be one number one boss in the world, right? So no, like, they can be a couple there can, you can go by regions, right? Like they could be like, there's, there's only one in the world, right? But there also could be one in the yeah. USA. There could be one in Utah, could be one in Salt Lake city, you know? Yeah there could be one in, in the company you're at. <laughs> yeah. So like, like I think, I think I'm a great manager, Andy, I will tell you right now, like I'm very confident that the skills that I've learned and what I've done and what I've seen the designers do in their careers and in their lives. I think I had a good hand in that. And I think I was great at managing them, but <laughs> I'm not, I'm not Michael Scott. He's the number one boss, man. Like maybe, Somehow I have to defeat him to earn that. See, that's the thing. I don't. I don't want a mug. I, I want to go out and I want to. I want to. I want to defeat that person and take his mug. Oh wow! I don't want you to make me a false mug and bring it in just to make me feel good. You want to take someone else's mug? How, how I want does to earn that thing? How does one manager defeat another manager? I don't know. I think it's arm wrestling contest or. Uh, it's thumb wrestling, it's right? It's got to be some kind of feats of strength or something, right? You know. I guess, yeah. <laughs> like, who can eat the most, you know, Doritos Locos tacos at Taco Bell in 15 minutes or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I've been training for that one. It'll take me a few years to figure that out, but yeah. Yeah. I've been practicing. Yeah, that's a marathon for sure. How many? Speaking of that, how many grilled cheese burritos do you think you could eat? I don't know. Those are kind of filling, man. The question is, uh, I can't remember. Do those have do those have refried beans in them, Patrick? No, they don't. They don't. Okay, so that's good because no. those are that's the most filling part of those. Yeah. 
So maybe I could I could throw down a few more. Yeah. Do you think you'd throw down three or four in like a half an hour period? It's possible. I just feel really horrible after. Yeah. Maybe maybe we should do an episode where we just do that. Like we'll just eat in front of our microphones. Um, yeah. I think that'd be that would be cool. That'd be great. Um, that would be scary. That'd be a good Halloween Halloween episode idea. <laughs> That sounds kind of scary. Really gross eating noises. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know how alcoholics do that? They always have, uh, they always drink till they throw up or pass out. Yeah. Because they're alcoholics. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we should do that with food one of these days. We'd be like, let's get some Taco Bell and see how many of these things we can eat. <laughs> and then before one of us just completely loses it. Sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds great. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> I'm not sure which one I would like uh, more. Is just doing a lot of alcohol, drinking a lot of alcohol and passing out? Or all of the, the burritos? Either of them are well, going to have... Well, because the end... Yeah, because like, with alcohol, you pass out, right? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't drink, but... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you pass out at some point, right? And then they're like, oh, he can't handle his liquor. Oh, what a nerd. And then you're like, yeah, but you're both alcoholics. You both lost. I don't understand. <laughs> you both lost. Like, <laughs> I don't understand how that proves anything. You're both, like, you're both alcoholics. But anyway, if we did that with burritos, it would end in a throw up, right? It would. That's what it. Cause you're not gonna pass out because of a burrito. Yeah. Maybe you, maybe you, maybe you could eat so much that you kind of lose your breath a little bit. You know. Mm-hmm. You yeah, have a hard time breathing. Yeah, n- none of that sounds great though. And with alcohol, but it would be more of a bowel type involvement, right? It'd yes. Be more like first person to like throw up or crap their pants. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun, Andy. Did we just come up with our next, uh, our next, uh, like, live event idea? Yeah, right after the virus. Yes, it's gonna be a (laughs) post-virus feats of strength. (laughs) And maybe by then, Taco Bell will have some really super crazy burrito that we can try. Yeah, that's probably gonna be the name of that burrito too. The really crazy super burrito. That that goes along with their naming convention, typically. So, mm-hmm. sounds about right. <laughs> Did I answer all your questions, Andy? I think was so. that adequate. I think so. Yeah, that that did help. There was there's a lot of things I learned from that. So, uh, again, I appreciate your time. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you come back to the next podcast, Patrick. I, I'm not gonna fire you. That was helpful. Okay. <laughs> that was a tough interview. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole time, I'm like, what does he want to hear? Did he look at my resume? Is my portfolio okay? Um, I didn't comb my hair today. Like, you know, is that okay? Yeah. I mean, the fact that you hadn't gotten that number one boss mug yet, that was disappointing. I thought you might have gotten one, but I don't know. You, you might have to go talk to your team. Yeah. Go, go have a I think conversation I hired, with them. I do think I hired the wrong people now that you think of it. I think so. 
Like, I never got a gift. <laughs> yeah, so you might want to rethink that. <laughs> I need to hire people that are more willing to suck up, right? Mm-hmm. All the people I've hired are like, whatever, you're an idiot. You're not supposed to tell people yeah, what I said to you in our, our private one-on-ones, Patrick. That, I know. That was a direct quote, too. Yeah. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> you even made that noise. Yeah, the pfft noise. That, that pfft noise, that that uh, diesel truck noise, you know? Yeah. Like... <laughs> have you ever... Have you ever... <laughs> When you when you're at an intersection and a diesel truck pulls up and it makes that noise, yeah. It's do you like, ever think that the diesel truck is really sighing, like, like they're like, oh, look at that car. Never considered that. No. Have you ever thought about that? No. You don't try to humanize vehicles and stuff like I do. I, I don't actually. Um, tell me, Patrick. Do do your no. cars have names? Your your personal no, cars? They don't. They don't. Okay. We're not that weird. Yeah, that's sometimes that's when you're at an intersection and the I've had that thought before the diesel truck pulls up next to you, you know, and it goes and I'm in my like Volkswagen Golf. And I'm like, that diesel truck just looked at me, just looked at my car and went, idiot. <laughs> Look at that dumb little car. OK. Cars have faces, Andy. They do have faces. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't know, yeah, their noises of what I, I imagine their hydraulic brakes. That's probably their hydraulic brakes or something like that. Um, something, yeah. I, did, I didn't imagine that was actually a statement, but I'm beginning to rethink things. Yeah. The world's a beautiful place, Andy. you got to just pay attention. Yeah. Got to stop and <laughs> stop and listen to car sounds is what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. Uh, growing up when I was in high school, me and my buddy Steve-O, we used to sit on the street corner. And so we sit on the street corner and the road ahead of us, like it would turn and the headlights, the angle of the headlights would hit us like straight on. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have a contest to see who could tell what car that was based on their headlights. Cause you couldn't see them. You couldn't see them turn around. Like you couldn't see them in the dark until, but you could just see the headlights, you know? Wow. So they come around and be like, ah, it's a Ford Taurus. And then they drive past and you're like. Four tourists, you know. <laughs> it's great. We learned That's all about impressive. headlights. Yeah, so now you know their cars by just the shape of the the blinding lights shining at you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really helpful. Exactly. That's that's knowledge you want to you know take with you all your life. Yeah. That was before children had cell phones, you know. <laughs> and now kids have cell phones, and they're all anxiety ridden and have all these horrible depression problems and yep. hate themselves because the world sucks now cell phones it's always technology patrick it's always the root of our problems technology yeah yeah the world hey we know we have a guy in common that doesn't even have a phone dude we do old malcolm yeah yeah he he had a flip phone pm PM malcolm he had a flip phone he doesn't have he and that broke and so now he doesn't have one no way yeah i bet he just on the edge when you when you see him he just looks happy he's got that glow when i saw him without the cell phone he had a glow um yeah he's always got a smile on his face like yeah like he's just living life man he's he's not doing this all day you know with his head buried down (laughs) in his hand 
<laughs> he hasn't getting angry at, at the world. He he's not doing that. Instagram or a Facebook post in so long, he yeah, doesn't even know happy. what what true hatred or what true sadness really <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> <laughs> That's another topic for another day. We should do a podcast on how technology has actually hurt us rather than than helped us. Patrick, I, I have a feeling you recently watched a certain Netflix documentary. I haven't. I, I, it's on my list, but I have not watched <laughs> it Sounds yet. like you've watched it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it's about. <laughs> okay. And I will watch it, but yeah, I haven't yet because I don't want to get that sad. <laughs> you'll have to give us a, a review after you've watched it. <laughs> Okay, let's let's end the podcast. I'm gonna end the podcast with a with a tip, a TV tip, Andy. A TV tip, okay. TV tip. If you're looking for a new show to watch, I've got it for you. It's fantastic. All right. It's a nice, uplifting show. Now there's only like ten episodes, and they're only like at thirty minutes, so you'll be done with it by Tuesday. But Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. Okay. What? what J- Jason Sudeikis. Okay. Do you remember Jason Sudeikis from, from SNL? He's one of my favorites. No. It's called Ted Lasso. He, uh, he uh, the Design Much podcast sponsored by okay. Ted Lasso <laughs> on Apple TV+. Plus. <laughs> so is this, tell me, tell me what, what, I'm, what I'm getting myself into. Is this a, uh, so it's a comedy, it looks like, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a comedy, but it's got a heart. It's got it's it's a good it's a good big hearted comedy. Okay. Um, he plays a what's he plays a midwestern high school no college football coach, who gets a job coaching le football in England, <laughs> mm, Premier okay. League soccer, soccer Premier League football, <laughs> and then yeah between that and the other characters, uh, hilarity ensues. Now it's. It's a, I would say it's a mature audience type okay. of a show, but not, not dirty. It's not dirty. Okay. It's just some swear words. Gotcha. Awesome. There's the occasional swear words. There's no, there's no dirtiness in it though. All right. Well, I will have to check that out. Apple TV plus, um, <laughs> I'll have to figure out how to use Apple TV plus again, but yeah, I'll have to, you don't know how to use Apple TV. Plus? It's too hard to use. You just you hit the Apple TV button on your Apple TV and it shows up. But it and doesn't you go, though. Watch Ted Lasso. It's all weird because. And then. <laughs> it's just all weird. You have Patrick. to pay for it, or you get a free I trial. Did, but, I did. I got you know. the the year long free trial. You know, so mine's good till yeah. like November, so I, I have some time to watch this. Oh, I know what you're saying. See, I'm with you. Yes, the interface is horrible. Just yeah. like a lot of other new Apple interfaces, they're terrible. But you got to get over that. Yeah, so I'll have to click around and figure out how to get access to this this show. But yeah, I'll check it out. Sounds okay, good to me. Do it. Okay. I'll leave you with that. Pro tip. Pro tip. Well appreciate it, Patrick. Okay. Well see you, Andy. I'm glad I'm glad we we get to keep doing this. I'm glad you're not gonna <laughs> Those other those other uh, people you were talking to on the other podcast, I thought I thought you were gonna you're interviewing them for this podcast. I was every time, yeah. but they didn't make the cuts. <laughs>
<laughs> no, that's not true. They would have been way better than you, Patrick. All of them. <laughs> they just they just didn't accept my job offer. That's what it is. <laughs> so I'm stuck with you so yeah, far. Yeah, we're well, we're we're stuck because yeah, nobody wants to work with you either. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> so if you want to know how a podcast gets started, that's exactly how it gets started. <laughs> Can't find anybody better than the first person. Find two people that nobody wants to work with. Put them together. You want to know the best way to support the podcast? And I know you do because you made it to the end of this episode. That is share it. Share it with a coworker. Share it with a family member. Share it with a friend. Share it with whoever you want to. Share it with a construction worker. Share it with somebody. It doesn't matter. Just share it. Um, a couple more ways to support the podcast, though. Go buy a t-shirt over at designmuch.threadless.com and then wear it with pride. And then lastly, to support the podcast, we need your topics. Use hashtag designmuchtopics on social media or shoot us an email at topics at designmuch.org or just go to designmuch.org slash contact and fill out the form.